I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. In today's episode, Jenna and I talk about natural family planning. child refuses to sleep during a nap, Matt, okay? Yeah? Are they guilty of resisting arrest? <laughs> I messed it up the first time we had to redo it. It's still kind of funny. Good, I'm glad. But uh, the fact that I couldn't understand the punchline even when you told me almost <laughs> all of it before, I don't know if that says more about me or the joke itself. But... Probably the joke. Yeah. Probably hey everyone, the joke. Welcome to episode 31. Um, it's good to have you all back. Yes. I know. I feel like we haven't we haven't recorded an episode yeah. in a very long time. We were a little ahead of the game in our recordings and now yeah. we're back to like making sure we get it for this coming Saturday. <laughs> so yeah, it's good to be back with all of you. I know. There's lots of holidays and things going on, so it's yeah. good. What is your joy junk Jesus? My joy junk Jesus is really hard for me to think of today for some reason, but um not that sounded kinda of depressing that I have no joy or Jesus, but also no junk. So I guess it'd be neutral, but I was able to think of some things. So joy, um, my joy is my sense of like community is expanding and like the people that I'm, I'm not really good at being vulnerable. I've shared this before on the podcast and the people I'm allowing myself to do that with is kind of growing into a wider circle. And so I have like a lot more people who I can turn to and, and, um, I'm feeling just a wider sense of community. So that's been really joyful. Uh, junk is that, spiritually um i'm feeling kind of more desolate and stale um and just not a whole lot of activity or inspiration coming from that part of my life and i think the opposite's normally true normally i'm like doing really good spiritually but i don't have really good community and now it's the opposite so i need to find like that good middle ground of where like the community feeds me toward which it does it's like encouraging me but i just haven't like I'm not listening. So, and then, <laughs> um, my, you should listen. Yes, Matt. I do not listen. Linda, listen. So, and then my Jesus moment is that um, I just I feel like I'm I've always been good about recognizing Jesus in small things, um, or recognizing the presence of God in small things that happen throughout the day. Um, but I've just had like even in the midst of ministry and being a new dad and all the craziness of that, like. God has been presenting like little pockets of time on certain days where it's just like, oh, here's an hour that you didn't expect you were going to have. Just so I can kind of like have some focused time for prayer or for my journaling or just to rest or, um, yeah, it's been really nice. So, because normally my life is like to-do lists, like from the moment I get up to the moment I go to bed or collapse, you know, before I go to bed. (laughs) And so it's been nice to have those little pockets where I just feel like God like throwing me a little rest, you know, every Mm -hmm. other day, just like here, take these 30 minutes. You need it. So that's been really great. What about you? Um, my joy is that last weekend we got to go to Temecula with my family and Tony and Adelaide and we were going to a wedding. And so, um, I have only gotten to go to weddings a handful of times with my family and um being on the dance floor with my parents <laughs> is the best thing in the world because one my dad does this like i think of it like as a penguin dance That's awesome. with i don't know how else to describe it and that probably makes no sense to you but like he just does these things with his feet and it's amazing and it's hilarious (laughs) and then my mom just kind of like shimmies and dances around and then I'm a freak and I run around and do really weird things and so and then my sister just like wiggles her hips (laughs) and throws her hands up in the air when she dances um so it was really entertaining that was my joy of just witnessing the joy of my family having fun and partying and um that was good and then my junk is that we're still uh, in the midst of um like Tony's health issues and trying to figure out everything with that. And so that all kind of hit us pretty hard this past month. Um, And so prayers for him would be amazing for healing. So that's kind of my junk and just how it puts kind of a damper on um, just normal day activities. He's better this week. And so that's really been a blessing, but pray for him. Um, 
my Jesus is also the Temecula wedding because <laughs> I grew up with um, the girl that got married from like birth up. And so getting to witness her getting married to a very faithful man and just the, the prayer that the wedding was encompassed in was really, really beautiful. I also was very emotional and hormonal. And so I was crying a lot. Um, but Jesus was just very, very present in, in their marriage. And so I'm very excited for them. So that was my joy junk of my Jesus. Nice. Yeah. And emotions and hormones kind of have to do a little something with what we're talking about today. Just a bit. <laughs> Just we, a little bit. What are we talking about today? We Jenna? are talking about natural family planning. Nice. Also called NFP yes. because we love acronyms <clears throat> in the church. We do. Yeah. I, um, yeah, we're talking about NFP and I've been really excited for this episode. You know Just what NFP stands for? Natural. None, none for Papa. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's that's, That's right. shout out to Francis Cavildo. <laughs> shout out number 29. That's specially for you. Thank you for teaching he me that. He does say that a lot. <laughs> None for Papa. None for Papa. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Good times. Anyways, so we are talking about NFP and I, I really, I enjoy talking about NFP. I think it's so interesting. And when I started learning about NFP and going to my um, practitioner, I just, I don't know, I fell in love with knowing how my body works because mm-hmm. there were so many things that would happen like on a daily basis that I'd be like, what is going on? <laughs> and so now to have um, just the understanding of what is going on with my body and just how a cycle happens and everything has been really, really cool to learn about. Yeah. And natural family planning, like for those of you listening, you, you may have heard of it before. You may not even know what it is. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about it, but it's the church's method of recommending to couples how, if you're choosing to try and plan when you have kids, um, how you do that without using contraception or artificial birth control. And we'll talk about why the church advocates for that um, versus those other things. Mm -hmm. But a lot of this can seem like, okay, this is like um, an episode for the ladies, you know, and like, I want to encourage you as men, because you're going to listen to the fact that like, if you're, if you're going to be married, especially in a, uh, like a Catholic relationship and a Catholic wedding like this is something that you're going to hear about and you may not know how intimately intertwined like the male aspect of communication Mm -hmm. and knowing about this like going to these sessions is going to be as part of your marriage prep or as part of being married and so this is a really good chance for you as men listening to learn about this method and like how you can be ready for that and how to communicate with it and kind of plan what your marriage as best you can what your marriage and family is going to look like um, and, and we're not going to talk about that. Get into like the nitty gritty of a woman's cycle. Yes. So I won't. I will save that for another episode. <laughs> where or if you're really anything. curious, you can email us, and we'll. Like, you don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I'll talk. About, I'll do an episode all by myself. Yeah. I will. Talk oh no, about... we can do that. I don't mind talking about weird body stuff. You know, I don't mind the word mucus. <laughs> mucus. <laughs> Anyways. But anyways, yeah. So that's so, what we're talking about. Yeah. So natural family planning is... Yes. What is it? The um, It's fertility awareness. So basically, it's the knowledge of a couple's fertility and how um, a woman's cycle works and when there is fertility in a woman's cycle and when there isn't fertility in a cycle. And so many people might not know that women aren't constantly fertile. Like, mm-hmm. it's not... You aren't 100%, 24-7, always fertile. Um, you have... Men, cycles. always fertile. Yes, Swish. that's different. <laughs> Guys are. <laughs> Ladies aren't. Um, so there's periods where you are not fertile, and there's periods of, I can't say periods, probably. <laughs> there are, um, what do we call it? What, uh, probably uh, phases of your phases, cycle. Phases, thank you. There are phases where you are fertile, and there's phases where you aren't fertile. So NFP is practicing in both of those yeah. phases, and then... Um, discerning a time of when you are either trying to avoid pregnancy or conceive. Yeah. And NFP, you guys, like, sometimes people will try and equate this to, like, the rhythm method or, like, antiquated medieval ways of, like, trying to figure out when you can have kids and when you can't based on a woman's just natural cycle. It's not that at all. Like, natural family planning had maybe some origins in that type of observation, but natural family planning, there are different methods. So there's the Billings method, there's the Creighton method, which I think we're going to talk about the Creighton method, because that's what both of um, you and my wife and and Tony and I as your spouses, what we practice. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's the most scientifically based one. But they're all based in science. Like, the Creighton model was named for a doctor, scientific doctor, Dr. Creighton. And it's all about, like, um, you know, tested 
you know, um, evidence-based, you know, observation-based scientific observations of a woman's cycle yeah. using her biology, using stuff like hormonal tests, using stuff um, about your body or women, like about your cycle that you probably observe on a daily basis, but you're mm-hmm. just taught how to read it. Mm-hmm. Basically taught how to see, oh, when I see that thing I've always seen in the midst of my cycle, that's what it means. It's a sim- It's a sign that I'm either in a fertile phase or I'm not in a fertile phase. Yeah, if you're like me and you had no idea what was going on, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with you, yes. I promise. Yes, You're normal. <laughs> um, so that's something just to be aware of, that it is scientific-based, and when you sign up for any type of NFP class... Um, they're going to teach you about all of the science, what all the observations mean, and you're going to be able to tell if it's a fertile phase or not. And if you ladies like are listening to this, like most women who hear about NFP, their first response is, well, I don't have a regular cycle. Yeah. And it's like most people don't either, you know? And so no matter what kind of um, things are going on with you medically um, or if you have, you know, endometriosis, if you have any type of... um, situation where you don't have a regular cycle or you've even been told that you need to be on birth control because your cycle needs to be more regular that there are other ways um, to help you with diet exercise with more natural remedies to help curb whatever birth Mm -hmm. control is trying to help you with a more regular cycle but even if you have a crazy irregular cycle and you have some type of illness or disease or some type of condition that causes it to always be all over the place there are still scientific markers that you will always observe in your cycle, yeah. no matter how off it is, that can tell you once you learn it well, with a very high degree of certainty, that you are in a fertile state or you're not in a fertile state. And I've seen the statistics somewhere that if couples practice natural family planning um, to the degree um, that it's meant to be practiced, if they're so familiar with it and they do it faithfully, that it can be up to two and a half times more effective at planning a pregnancy or not planning a pregnancy than artificial birth control or other forms of contraception. Um, And so that's pretty amazing. But you have to learn it and you have to do it. You can't cheat. You can't be like, well, let's just risk it. You know, those different things, you know, cause other problems. change the statistics just a little bit. So that's, you know, a preface to all of this. I forgot my point while you were talking. Well, you were talking about what... That I was going to mention too. You were talking about what natural family planning is. And then I talked about like... It's, it's scientific and that it's not... Um, oh, yeah. So many times... It's good when, for irregular cycles. Yeah. So there's, like you said, there's a... Um, in your irregular cycle, there is regularity. Like there are... There, like you said, there's markers and things that show up. Yeah. Um, and there's been so many times that I have talked to other women about natural family planning and what I know about my body and they are so incredibly unaware of it and it freaks them out when I talk (laughs) about it because they're like no 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 no, you can't say stuff like that or it's wow you you're kind of crazy for (laughs) like thinking that this is gonna be something that you can safely do and avoid pregnancy um but I forgot my point again well, I and this, it. I had it. Thank you. Keep talking. I'm gonna think, yeah. Like, what is going on with me? Um, this too is also something oh, like to, to point out. I, you go so you don't forget. I'm going to forget it. There's about 14 years of science behind this. And plus. Like yeah. plus more. But I believe behind the Creighton model, mm-hmm. there's about 14 years of science of them, testing of them, um, taking like groups of couples and looking at how they do the model and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of science, like you yeah. said. And from Jenna and I's own experience too, like we've been able to faithfully plan and be able to tell very, very early on, like within the first two weeks of conception yeah. that a pregnancy took place, you know? And then even if it, pregnancies aren't taken, like mm-hmm. Jenna and, and my wife Erica both had miscarriages. Mm-hmm. And so like, even if that's something, you can then go and get tested for certain levels of progesterone and estrogen and see if you need to supplement that, see if you need to help your body to be make that pregnancy um, come more to, to, at least through the first trimester, so it's more likely to come to term. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of science basing uh, that it's based on to help you plan when you're going to have a child um, faithfully mm-hmm. and not do anything in any act of sex because sex is supposed to be something that unifies you to your spouse. But every act of sex is supposed to be open to life because our bodies are naturally inclined that way. And if you're ever wondering what does the church teach about something, look toward natural law and how our bodies or how people naturally are inclined to be. And yes, we're naturally inclined to be sexual beings, but biologically, chemically, 
women's bodies, when they go through puberty and until they hit menopause to like the effects of puberty stop, your body is trying to get pregnant every month as a woman. And that's why you have a period. Like your body's trying to get pregnant every month. So every month your body releases an egg and it exhibits signs of fertility and your body changes and does things to try and make it the best possible um, situation for you to be able to get pregnant, for that egg to be implanted. Now, if that doesn't happen, then your body goes through a kind of cleansing process to get that egg and all of the um, biological materials out of your system that were allowing that pregnancy, potential pregnancy to happen, and that's why you have a period. And so that is just a natural part of your body. And so what the Creighton model and what NFP looks at is how can we look at the natural state of a woman's body and use it to our advantage to get pregnant or use it as an awareness that if we're not financially ready Mm -hmm. or we're not discerning spiritually that this is the right time for us to have children um, for whatever reason, then you can refrain from that. I will say if you're getting married, that means you're saying we're ready to have kids, at least in terms of the Catholic sense of marriage because natural family planning is always open to life. And with any form of family planning, even if it's artificial or if it's contraception, like there is a failure rate. It might be small, but people get pregnant on birth control all the time. And people get pregnant with yep. condoms all the time. Like, yep. it happens. Um, and so there, there is always the sense that as Catholics, we have to always be open to life anytime the sexual act is entered into. What NFP does, if it gives you the, it gives you the education to be able to discern if we are going to enter into the sexual act in our marriage, should we do it at a time where your body is fertile or it's infertile? Mm-hmm. You know, are we at a time right now where we're... You know, maybe something surprising happened. Maybe you're in a medical state that you can't have a kid. Um, there's all different reasons to refrain, which Jenna's going to talk about too. But I think that gives a good basis for like why it's viable and like why we can rely on it. And we're not crazy that it is reliable, crazy, yeah. you know, and there are plenty of people who do this. They've planned um, or discerned when they can have all their pregnancies. There are some Catholics who look at it as like that's still a form of birth control. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about why natural family planning is different than birth control or other forms of contraception. But yeah. um, this is a really beautiful method to be able to to use to see the proper biological product of sex as being life and it also being pleasurable and making sure those things are never separated. Yeah. We're always looking for the way our bodies were created to be and not supplementing them. Because when you take birth control, especially... Your body, ladies, is not being prevented from getting pregnant when you take birth control. What's happening is your body, the birth control is exhibiting hormones to trick your body into thinking it's pregnant already. And it puts your body in a state of pseudo-pregnancy. And so you go through all these physiological changes and it's extremely unhealthy for your body to think it's pregnant for years. Like, think about that. Think about the effects that one pregnancy has on a woman's body. Nine months. And then, like, most, yeah, nine months. And it's crazy. Talk to any mom. It's crazy what your body goes through. And yet, there are women all over the world who are taking a pill to make themselves fake, like, basically their bodies fake pregnant to trick their bodies for years. And that obviously has biological effects. So, I'm going to shut up and let Jenna talk. (laughs) No, no, no. That was all really good information. Um, so to kind of get into, you know, why is NFP something that the church approves of? Because like Matt said, um, sex was created to be unitive and f- to create life. And so um, marriage was designed to have an intimate partnership of life and love. Um, and it's something very, very unique that men and women have. Um, so marriage is oriented towards towards creating like towards creating life and when um the catholic church approves the nfp it's because like you said we can use that during our infertile or fertile cycles or phases um to be very discerning of like okay if um tony or i or tony and i sorry or you and erica um were in a phase of life that maybe it wasn't appropriate for us to have another child. Like right now, I'm taking care of Adelaide. You're taking care of Hannah. It's probably not appropriate, at least for my discerning in my prayer with God and with Tony, for us to have another kid right now. Yeah, and it could be financial. It could be because your body's still yep. healing. It could be, be a be lot because, of different like, things. You don't have the amount of time that you 
or the amount of resources that you have on hand because things haven't settled yet to have another kid right away, you know. Um, so there are a lot of different reasons to refrain. So if you go on usccb.org, um, they talk actually quite a bit, a lot about natural family planning and why it's something that the church approves of. But one of the little paragraphs, it says, the Catholic Church supports the method of natural family planning because they respect God's design for married love. In fact, NFP represents the only authentic approach to family planning available to husbands and wives because these methods can be used to both attempt or avoid pregnancy. Um, it Basically, it reflects the dignity of a human um, person in the context of marriage and family, um, and it promotes openness to life, and it recognizes the value of a child. Because when we're trying to... Um, use any kind of contraception we're kind of we're one we're not open to a child we're Mm -hmm. closing that off but also we're we're devaluing children we're saying yeah i don't want you and you're not worth my time you're not worth um anything to me really yeah and so we're completely devaluing children and we've seen that in society um with abortion with so many different things and how um having families is not really something that is a value in our society yeah. right now. And for a while, like, there's been this thing that we talk about in the church, at least, called a crisis of fatherhood, where, yeah. like, the role of a father has really been absent in a lot of people's lives. And because of that, there have been a lot of documented sociological and scientific effects on the lives of children. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at people who uh, commit mass shootings, they did a study where it said how many of them had a father figure that was present in their home. And, like, I think in the 90th percentile, like, high 90th percentile, none of them did. Mm -hmm. And it it didn't matter, like, what spurred them. It didn't matter um, socioeconomic background, race, all those things. Like, the most constant factor was that there wasn't a sense of fatherhood in their life. And there are many other things. That's just the only one that I know about. But I've seen a lot of other studies about how, um, you know, the detrimental effects of someone not having a father around. And it's not to say moms aren't important. But that was something that we've been talking about for a while. Something that I'm noticing now is now that there's a crisis of motherhood at the same time. Because, you know, with the advent of, um, you know, a lot of careerism and and a lot of feminist circles and thinking about like, okay, we need to have the same opportunities as men, which yes, absolutely women do. Um, But a lot of that is causing the gift of motherhood and not seeing that as a viable career or a viable life option for a mother because it's not on par with maybe what a man has traditionally been offered in terms of money or career or status, that motherhood is kind of being relegated to this like, oh no, that's something that, um, you know, we can't do. You know, we have to, we have to strive for the same opportunities. We have to strive for careers. Um, You know, a child would get in the way. I have so many, this is the one thing I hear a lot uh, now when it comes to having kids is women are more inclined instead of oh, what about this or this? Like, what if someone's attacked or whatever? Can't they have an abortion? I still hear that sometimes. But I hear a lot more frequently now, um, oh, what if I just, I'm not ready. Like, I have certain things I want to accomplish before yeah, I have kids. Like kids it's are very not, goal-oriented. Kids yeah, kids get in the way. And so that's something that the church is very adamant of, of being against, is that mm-hmm. a, a child is not a curse. And if you ask any parent, even if they weren't planning to have kids, even if there was a big you know, accident or, you know, their kid was a quote unquote, like mistake, wasn't planned, you know, no kid is a mistake, but you know, sometimes people use that type of language. No parent is going to say, oh yeah, I hundred percent regret having this kid. You know, no, you know, there might be some really evil people out there. You might find a couple who might actually say that, but like most people, even if they're having financial difficulties, even if it's really hard to make, make ends meet with the kids that they have, most people are not going to look at their kids and be like, all right, which one of you do we have to give up? You know, like that's that's not the way that people think. They experience once they have the child that is such a blessing. And that's the really cool thing about natural family planning is that even if natural family planning fails, like even if you end up getting pregnant at a time you weren't planning to, you're going into natural family planning knowing that you're always open to life. Yeah. And when you do natural family planning, it's not like your NFP practitioner is like, all right, you're pregnant, bye. Like they do a pregnancy assessment, like they're following up with you. They can help get you that hormonal therapy if you want to make sure that your levels are at a a place where you can sustain that pregnancy and make sure that that child is healthy and developing right. Like it's all about the wholeness of the woman's body, the wholeness of the pregnancy, the wholeness of the dignity of family life. 
and not just like the baby, mm-hmm. you know, like, or not just like, we've got to have kids because we're against abortion. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, like sex is procreative. It's a biological fact. No one can deny that. And when you're using natural family planning, <clears throat> you're entering into your marriage vows and saying, on the day we got married, I gave myself completely to you, fully, faithfully, freely, totally, completely to you. And every time we have sex, we're renewing our wedding vows because we're giving ourselves to each other full, faithful, free, fruitful, you know, all of those vows are being made. Again, Mm -hmm. I'm withholding nothing from you. When we use contraception, condoms, birth control, you're withholding withholding your parenthood. You're saying, I'm holding back a part of me because I'm not willing to experience this other effect of sex. I only want it for the pleasure. Mm -hmm. And that then becomes what people in um, the church and what Pope John Paul II and Theology of the Body called utilitarian, when you're using the other person. There's no good reason to continue having sex if children are completely off the table permanently. Like, there's not. You're using the other person for pleasure. You know, there's no sense of dignity in that. However, for a married couple who understand, like, there is a sense of intimacy here, and that every time that we enter into that act, it's a foretaste of heaven. That's what our church teaches. Like, that experience, whether or not it results in a child, is still something that there's, it's meant to be pleasurable, it's meant to be good, but there's always that openness to creating life. That's what marriage is about. It's about creating a family. It's not about, I just want to lock this person down so no one can, else can get them, and then I can just use them for pleasure, which I think is what marriage has become culturally. Yeah. And then we And then we once that's no longer it. good, it's, it's... Yeah, and then divorce is easily accessible. Yeah. You know. There's... Mm-mm. So to kind of go back to the point that you had said at the beginning about how, um, like the mass shooters don't have a father figure in their mm-hmm. their house, the the issue with birth control specifically is that it puts the stress on the woman to be the one um, that it's her responsibility yes. and it's no longer the man. So the man can kind of be out of the picture mm-hmm. and not um, have that responsibility um, when she does get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Because it's possible. It's yeah. still possible. And so... Um, yeah, ladies, I don't know if you knew this, but the birth control you take, the pills that are meant for your period, they're sugar pills. There's nothing about those pills that puts you in a state of pregnancy. Or you still can pregnancy. get pregnant on your period. Yeah, you can. Or if you're accidentally taking that pill before your period comes or if your period ends too early, yeah. you know, like, you will get pregnant if you have, you know, there's nothing. And then because birth control doesn't prevent pregnancy, it just puts your body in a state of fake pregnancy... You're gonna that pregnancy is gonna keep going like that's just what it's gonna do. So you know don't rely so heavily on this when people are like, oh, get on birth control because you need to regulate your acne or this health situation. Yeah. There's so many things you can do with diet and exercise that don't have the detrimental effects on your body that birth control does, which we're gonna talk about. But so yeah, so the, the Matt kind of talked about the, what the reason why the Catholic Church says that you can avoid pregnancy is that if you're in um, like financially not stable and you've discerned mm-hmm. that this is like not a good time, um, a child can still potentially happen, but it's not something that you've discerned as um, the opportune time because financially, maybe health reasons. Um, the Catholic Church says that um, basically if there's just a, a just or a serious reason that's defined between the couple and God, then it is okay to avoid pregnancy. Mm-hmm. If that's using natural usually family planning. natural family planning, yes. Um, but you can't have like a contraceptive mindset, mindset yeah. within natural family planning. That's not that's not going to work, and yeah. that's not um, the appropriate approach yeah. to it. I think a lot of people get married and they're like, okay, we want to be married for five years, and then we don't want to have yeah. kids. It's like, well, then don't get married. Yeah. Like, what's the benefit? You know, like... Well, we can have sex. Yeah. it's If that's all you're looking for is having sex, then yeah. you're looking to use the other person. Like, and just to really think about that. Like, if you're Catholic and you want to get married in the church and you believe what the Catholic Church professes, when you get married, you are saying, from this point forward, I am ready to have a child with mm-hmm. you. Like, I'm ready to build a family with you. That's what marriage is. Mm-hmm. It's the well, beginning of that next phase of your life. And it's... That building of a family, that you know, having children, it's not like, all right, now it's you and me and it's adventure time. Right. And then when we settle down and we're ready and our careers are set and we have no more debt and we have everything planned, which never happens, um, then we can be ready to have a child. And if you're a parent and if you've ever heard someone use that phrase, when we're ready, it just makes me want to laugh now. Because like we both know you're never ready to have a kid. You're not ready. You're not. But because you find the person that you know you're meant to be with... 
you're ready in the you're as ready as you're ever gonna be because you know you have that person with you. Yeah. That's what makes it like we're entering into this marital union and from this point forward we're in this together building a family. Like that's what marriage is about in terms of the Catholic sense. Right. Now if you're listening to this and you don't agree with that, like, you know, send us an email, we can talk more about marriage. I think we have previous episodes on marriage. Mm-hmm. We just did two, you know, about our marriages, but we have some also about dating and mm-hmm. the church's view of like sexuality and, um, or not sexuality, se- sex and chastity and stuff like that, yeah. that we can direct you to. But we're talking specifically, like if you're listening within to this the within the Catholic mind frame of marriage, which really I think is the most holistic and healthy way to look at marriage. Um, and even, if, even if you're a secular person, like you are entering into marriage as a dignified person who deserves not to just be treated as like, I love you, so that means we have sex. Right. You know, like, and natural family planning is very much against that because if love is only about sex, if you use natural family planning, there's some times where you're going to have change. to abstain from having sex because it's yeah. a fertile period if you're not prepared to have a child at that moment. Yeah. So within the Catholic Mass, when when we are saying um, a Catholic wedding Mass, you will say, or the priest will say, will you accept children lovingly from God and bring them up according to the law of Christ, his church? Um, and the wedding that I just went to was not Catholic, and, and none of that was mentioned. Mm-hmm. Like, children were not mentioned at all. Mm-hmm. And so there is, if you're coming from a non-Catholic viewpoint of what marriage is or whatnot, um, this might be something that is drastically different, or you have a very, very different viewpoint of it. Yeah. So... That is the viewpoint that we're coming from. That when you are taking your vows within marriage, within a Catholic setting, you make that um, vow with your spouse that you will willingly accept children because that's what happens when you have sex. Yeah. Like, and we have all these safeguards, these things that um, are not 100% to prevent pregnancy outside of NFP, is what I'm talking about. Like, oh, we, yeah. We have this false trust in. Um, medicine and in birth control and oh yeah condoms people just like oh we use condoms so there's no way and you know? it, no those things fail those things are you mess up like you said you yeah. take a sugar pill or whatever um and so there's this false trust and i think it's that's what comes up the most when i have those conversations with other women about nfp is like well i mean i take birth control and it i mean i just can't have children right now um and there's this trust that they've put in this medicine yeah when NFP is 99.6% um, accurate when you are following it correctly mm-hmm. of like preventing pregnancy or achieving pregnancy. Yeah. 99.6. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And so. Which is pretty much the same as birth control or condoms, you know. But if you think about that, like. Yeah. I think you, it's. I think it's more. I think it's. Uh, I think it depends on this. Because I've heard statistics where it's even better than that, NFP. Oh. But they're about the same. But the thing is, you're not entering anything foreign into your body. Right. In terms of, like, the chemical composition of birth control. And stuff like a condom. Like, condoms can break. And condoms don't prevent STDs from being transmitted. Don't ever listen to that lie. Yeah. Because, like... Sorry. That's not just about the act of sex. It's about physical contact. Like, genital contact. And that happens... Even if you're wearing a condom, even if you're using that type of prophylactic contraception, um, like just a barrier. We probably had like a trigger, or not a trigger warning, but a do not listen if children are present in the room. I think the fact when we start talking about periods, I think like <laughs> cycles, sex, I think that would have know. been like an alarm bell. Sometimes it's not enough. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Anyways. If you're a kid, turn this off, kid. Stop listening. Don't do that. Listen to the episode about fun and toys. Anyways. Anyways, Anyways, so about 16% of women um, ranging from the age of 15 to 44 use birth control of some kind. 15 or 50? Uh, 16. 16%. 16%. So, which I thought the number would actually be a lot higher. I think it is a lot higher. So... Maybe it's higher, but the where I was getting my um, information, that was what they yeah. said. Well, maybe that's just the pill. Maybe, Instead yeah. Instead of oh, like, because yeah. there's all those other, like the ring and like all these other, you can get shots. It says the get, pill Yes, yeah. is, is used by 16%. Because I think it's more popular now for women to use the ones where they just have to get an something IUD. inserted like once a year or they get yeah. an injection. They don't even have to worry about, like they've become that... We as a culture become that like complacent toward okay I childbearing, have a and it's just like oh yes. I don't I don't even want well, to think about this. This is every the mindset. <laughs> this is the mindset that birth control um, 
and contraception has placed, especially on the woman's mind, especially when we watch stupid commercials, like an IUD commercial or whatever. But there have been two the separate skipping through a field, commercials. Like... Pisses me off. Okay, <laughs> one one is like this beautiful mom with her two young kids rolling around in leaves, and then it like jumps to the kid knocking over chocolate milk or something on the carpet and like the mom being upset and all these things and it's like the over voice is like yes mother it's okay to use your birth control because you're not ready to have another mess wow something along those lines and i was like a child is not a mess a child is a joy and a beauty and like to the mindset of and life is messy yes okay so there's that commercial (laughs) and then there's this other commercial of this young woman that's like at a restaurant or a club or something and she's in the restroom and she's putting lipstick on and then a mom walks in and the mom looks exhausted and like the baby's crying and then the baby drops the toy and this girl that's been in the bathroom putting the lipstick on bends over and like smiles at the mom and like gives the toy back and she walks out and it's like maybe next or maybe maybe later in life or something but not tonight. Yeah. And it's this idea and this concept that children are a disease, mm-hmm. that are an inconvenience, that you cannot live a normal life with them. Yeah. And that they're going to be inconvenienced or they're going to get in the way, like we said earlier. And a child is not a disease. And what happens when we start um, taking some kind of birth control is that we then correlate getting pregnant to being a disease that needs to be taken and fixed. And so our society has really kind of fallen apart and where um, the family was like the peak, the pinnacle thing that you looked forward to, to having, it's now um, because of birth control and because of contraception, um, it's now your career, like you said. Mm -hmm. And we have completely lost the value of family because of these things. Yeah. And we live in a very independent-minded Western culture that's very mm-hmm. career-driven, very money-driven. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, because of the advent of the pill, like shortly thereafter, um, I think abortion was legalized, or abortion was legalized around that same time um, that the pill became, I can't remember the dates, but it was a very close time span. Um, because people now that they could sterilize the act of sex and disconnect it from children... Yeah now could have this mentality it's like oh sex is now available to me outside of marriage it was really kind of like stigmatized against before that because it was like well if you have sex you're going to get pregnant and if you get pregnant you got to get married like that was just society believed that more readily than they do now now it's not weird for someone to get pregnant outside of marriage now it's not strange um you know if if people are disconnecting the act of sex from marriage and we have relationships so backwards that people will have sex even before they're in a committed relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's more regular. People are more afraid of going on a date than they are of having a one-night stand. Off. Think about which one is more vulnerable. Like you are completely naked with a stranger who you have no idea of their medical history, who they are, if they're going to kill you. Like you have no sense of that and yet we're willing to enter into that type of situation and yet we don't know how to ask someone on a date for coffee for an hour like it's all about like oh we're a thing or oh we hooked up and like the vague term that hookup is like it could be we made out we had sex like we're all so much about no type of committal language or committing activity like commitment in general is so feared that relationships have been disconnected from commitment and it's disconnected from marriage and but we still want the pleasure of sex and so now we have all these forms of birth control, all these forms I'm gonna of... I'm going to list them for you, actually. Yeah, all these forms of things that people can use to make sex more pleasurable and more <laughs> enjoyable and all these things when it's completely disconnected from its purpose. Mm-hmm. And if you survey couples who have waited to have sex until they're married and they're, they're living faithful marriages and they practice natural family planning... Um, Across the board, surveys show that they have a more pleasurable uh, and more enjoyable sex life long term than couples who had a lot of sexual experience or couples who experiment a lot in the bedroom or do all these different things because that's not what sex is about. Sex is about growing in intimacy and unity with your partner. Mm -hmm. And it's not about like how can you become 
my source of pleasure and how do we experiment with this so I can use you for my benefit. But it's more about how do we enter into intimacy with one another and be able to communicate. NFP is all about communication. That's the biggest piece that um, I love about natural family planning. And that's kind of further in what I have, but I'll skip it. Um, is that what it does for the couple is huge. So the statistic that I found was that um, families or couples that practice natural family planning, um, their divorce rate is 2%. Couples that wow. have um, and use contraception is 50% divorce rate. Mm-hmm. So 80s uh, And in Orange huge, County where we are, the divorce rate higher. is 71% in Orange County. Insane. So there the the positives of natural family planning are just insane. Um so one, it's safe. You're not like you said, you're not putting any chemicals, you're not putting anything that shouldn't be in your body mm-hmm. in your body. Um it's something that is reliable. Um it's also inexpensive. <laughs> so like yeah. as expensive as different contraceptions are, um natural family planning, the only thing that you really need to pay for there's two things, but I'm not going to mention So, um, <laughs> is the, like, NFP practitioner. Yeah, the and sessions And sometimes you go to. they don't, like, some of them, if you can't afford it, I'm, I'm sure yeah. that it'd They'll be supplement free. it. They but, might do it for free. You might be able to go to group classes. Yeah. Like, there's so many different things that are available. And that, the, the expense of going to class is nothing. It's yeah. like a, I don't know. It's like going on a date. It's like super cheap. Yeah. Um, so yeah. and it's, so you get to a point. You go more frequently in the beginning, but you get to a yeah. point where it's like once a month, basically, yes. where you go and you're checking the, your chart. So how that NFP works? Are you gonna talk about this? Like just like, no. Let's talk about it. I want to talk about how it works. Yeah. So like when you say if you want to start natural family planning, first of all, don't wait until you're in a relationship that's you're gonna get married. If you're a single woman right now, do it. Go just learn how the process works. Like find a practitioner. Start charting so you get familiar with your cycle. So you're not trying to learn this while you're planning a wedding, while you're navigating a relationship, while you're trying to practice chastity and doing all these other things. Like already have this in your daily routine. Mm -hmm. And what it looks like is basically you find a practitioner, you sign up for a class, they'll give you all the materials, they'll give you a chart. There's also apps that you can use that mimic this chart. Mm -hmm. But they'll give you a paper chart with certain stickers, color-coded stickers that help you every single day you basically just write the date and you make an observation about what you observe um, about your body. And they'll teach you how to do that and it's normally when you go to the bathroom. And you'll just chart that observation, how many times throughout the day you observed it. And there's little number and letter codes that you use um, to kind of make it easier to read. And based on that, you put a certain sticker on there. And the stickers will determine Am I my period? Am I in a fertile phase? Am I in an infertile phase? Or am I ovulating, basically? Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll be able to then get so familiar with that, that you're doing that every day, that you then, once you're in a relationship or once you're in a marriage, you're constantly communicating. Because if, say my wife and I, like when my wife and I got married, we couldn't get pregnant because Erica was on certain medications where she, if she got pregnant, she could die. But we knew like if we practice natural family planning, we practice chastity in such a way that we were, you know, doing everything we could to make sure it was in the infertile phases that we entered into the sexual act. And also, even if something did happen where we got pregnant, we would do everything we could to help that pregnancy be viable. Like, mm-hmm. we weren't going to abort. Like, we were going to just, like, be faithful and, and just pray that God had a solution for us. Um, and so, because of that, we constantly had to communicate. You know, is this a safe time for us to do that? And I think for a lot of people who think love and sex are the same thing, that idea is very foreign. Yeah. But when you're communicating in natural family planning, um, like our natural family practitioner had us do, because we have the same practitioner, mm-hmm. so had us do this um, thing called the SPICE Index. Hmm, SPICE. Where you talk about like other forms of intimacy. So SPICE is spiritual, physical, intellectual, communicative, and emotional intimacy. And just because you can't experience physical intimacy... Um, in the sense of sex, there are other types of physical intimacy, like cuddling and like you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, holding hands and stuff like that, and all those other categories that you can be stimulating that unity and that intimacy between the couple that is not solely linked to sex. Because newsflash, you guys, sex is not going to be pleasurable your entire life. Sex is not going to be possible your entire life. Sex is not going to even be a possibility at some point in your life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's eventually going to get to a point where you can't do it anymore 
or it's yeah. not pleasurable anymore simply because of age or medical you know situation or you're just not able to do that anymore so if your whole relationship is relying on that you're either going to get divorced Mm-hmm. And try and recreate that with someone else, and the same thing is going to happen. Or be very unhappy. Or, or be very unhappy. Or you're going to communicate about different ways to show love and intimacy to one another. Mm-hmm. And that's the beautiful thing about what natural family planning en- encourages. Not only daily communication about charting, and the man has certain questions he's supposed to ask at certain times in the in the cycle. The woman has certain questions she's supposed to ask. And it's very easy to learn once you go to these sessions. Um, and it's something that now is just like second nature for us. Yeah. Like we know how to have the conversations. I can just pick up her chart and I can look at it and I can read it and know today's a go day or today's a no go day. You know, right. like I know based on what she charts, like what that looks like. And it's just part of communication. Yeah. And so it's, it's supposed to be, um, the charting part is supposed to be kind of more on the responsibility of the man. So the woman, and that's where that conversation piece mm-hmm. comes in. So the woman observes all day, and then at the end of the day, um, she tells her spouse what her observations were, and he is supposed to chart. And so it brings in that communication piece, but it also doesn't just solely rely on the woman anymore, yeah. which a lot of the contraception relies on the woman, especially when you take birth control. And so this there's this piece of openness, also vulnerability in talking about these things, um, and then the communication piece. And so the responsibility is on both partners yeah. and not just the woman. Um, but also what's so crazy about natural family planning and charting is that you oftentimes can address and identify if there's something off with your health. Mm -hmm. And so I know that our our practitioner has talked about it a lot and a lot of different um, experiences of her own that she's been actually able to catch something off about the woman's health before a doctor does. And so she'll send, she'll be like, Hey, this is a little strange and shouldn't be happening. And she sent the the woman to her doctor and said, Oh, you know, I think we need to check for this and it's come back positive or whatnot. And the doctor, um, has asked like, how the heck did you know that? She's like, oh, I've been tracking. And so da da da. And for me, my gynecologist had no idea what, natural family planning was and she she thinks I'm crazy but yeah. I love her it's and most fine. <laughs> most doctors hear it and they think it's the rhythm method and they yeah. tell you not to do it and that it's crazy and that you should be on the pill la, 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 stand la, your la. ground you're like fine. you're good um <laughs> so yeah anyway so those are the things so it's it's safe and it's inexpensive it creates openness communication and vulnerability um it's the responsibility couples... and then the health issues you can identify yeah when couples go to counseling like, if they have to go to counseling, there's problems in their marriage. I guarantee you, ask any marriage and family therapist. I'm not one. And I can just assume this. But, like, most of the problems have to do with ideas about sex, intimacy, or relationships yeah. that were skewed or communication problems. And natural family planning gives you a very healthy version of both. Mm-hmm. It's like built-in couples therapy for yourself. Like, you go to a practitioner. They're not a therapist, but, like, they're encouraging you to communicate and explore different areas of intimacy like any MFT would, you know? And so it's almost like a built-in, healthy communication encouragement for your marriage. Yeah. So um, Science Daily has all this, the scientific journals on them, mm-hmm. and they did research natural family planning, and it says researchers have found that a method of natural family planning that uses two indicators to identify the fertile phase in a woman's menstrual cycle is as effective as contraceptive pill for avoiding unplanned pregnancies, if used correctly. So you can look it up. Like Scientific journals have researched it and done science behind it to make sure that it is something that is reliable. so there's, I don't even want to read, I don't even want to go back to talking about contraception, <laughs> but there's... Yeah, what's what's so bad about There's the so many different things, um, but there's the pill, there's the patch, there's the ring, there's the birth control shot, there's the IUD or intrauterine device, yeah. and then there's implants, which implants, like, let's implant a little thing into my arm... And it's going to send out, I don't know, chemicals. Well, the the thing with all of these is they use the same hormones. I it's just they yes, exert they the do. same hormones like, in your body. Just inserting in ways. something into my body. Yeah. That's just mind boggling to me. But anyways, <laughs> I'm mind boggling. Um anyways, so all these things are different hormone based contraceptions um that pump out hormones into your body. Yeah. Um 
And they have found that the birth control can be a type 1 carcinogen, yeah. which is cancer-causing. Um, and so there's a study that says... Mm, I don't know if I wrote it down, but basically it was... Oh, here it is. So according to the National Cancer Institute, there is mixed evidence that hormonal contraceptions may increase the risk of breast and cervical cancer, but reduce the risk of endometrial, ovarian, or colorectal cancers. So basically that, like, you might get this kind of cancer, but you won't get this kind of cancer because it reduces it. So ovarian cancer, um, the reason why they say that it reduces the risk of ovarian cancer is just because you're not producing, like, um, your ovaries are not pumping out um, eggs as much. Yeah, because your body constantly thinks it's pregnant. It's pregnant. So that's the reason why you're not getting ovarian cancer but let's get <laughs> breast cancer instead because yeah. you thinks you're pregnant and now your boobs get big and yeah. all these things happen it's just so like when you start taking the pill there's over 150 physiological changes that happen in the woman's body <laughs> all the way from like very complicated things that are happening hormonally happening with your cycle all the way to things as like you blink two and a half times faster on average as a woman like when you yeah just little things will happen in your body and there's scientific reasons why, like why all those things are more conducive to pregnancy or to make your body more um, inclined to have a pregnancy that works because you're putting your body in a state of pseudo-pregnancy. Um, and that's not healthy for you. And it is like the amount of hormones that are being pumped into your system from artificial birth control have been proven to be the, the FDA classifies them as a class one cancer-causing carcinogen. Yes. Like that is something that like, Everyone should know. And yet when they're handed a pack of birth control pills, I guarantee you no one knows that. Mm -hmm. No one's ever heard. Like it might say on the side effects, but who even reads those? You know, but the fact that this is known to have elements, high elements of a hormone that classify it as a carcinogen and is going to give you cancer. And we wonder why we have increased risks or increased uh, rates of breast breast cancer cancer. and cervical cancer in our culture now. You know, it's that... Also, your increased um, for risk for developing blood clots, and so so many women like I think it's after your first year or something that it like goes down, but after five <laughs> years of taking birth control, you increase the risk of cervical cancer. Mm-hmm. So because your cervix is changing when you're on birth control, um, so it's like blood clots cancer um also depression and anxiety i was watching a video of a young woman that was on birth control for more than five years and she just got off of it like a couple months ago because she was so depressed and anxious and the minute that she went off of it um that subsided but her period wouldn't come back Mm. and so like people that have been on birth control for a very long time when you get off of it, and if let's say you're married and you want to have kids, you're not automatically going to get pregnant yeah. the majority of the time. Or you may never be able to again. Exactly, because it has messed up yeah. your cycle so significantly. And so the issue, especially that I have with birth control, is that it has become this band-aid for um, so many doctors to just give you. So let's say you have acne, oh, take birth control. Um, yeah. You have really bad cramps, oh, take birth control. Instead of finding the root cause of all of these issues, endometriosis, let's give you birth control. Yeah. Um, instead of finding the root cause, we've placed a Band-Aid that now when you go off of it, all of those things probably are gonna come back. Yeah. Um, instead of finding the root cause. So for my sister, she had a really irregular period and what happened, instead of birth control, she did herbal remedies and went to um, a homeopathic, what is that called? Holistic doctor? Yeah, holistic doctor. Um, And did acupuncture and has completely normalized. And holistic doctors are also PhDs. Yes, they're they're not not like like, voodoo witchcraft doctors. No, no, no. Just like some guy in the back, like, I'm also an unlicensed doula. You know, like just some random dude who's just like, drink this mushroom tea. I brewed it myself. Anyways, so <laughs> there's uh, there's so many health risks, risks that come along with taking birth control um, that there are so many different options in that if they're like giving it to you for a Band-Aid for something, yes. please look into something else. Yeah. Because the risks outweigh... The benefits of natural family planning outweigh the risks of 
Thank artificial you. birth control. Yes. You know, and, and I think holistically too, like seeing yourself with the dignity that you deserve, like you deserve any time you enter into the sexual act to not be treated as some something I that's used. being used, yeah. but as an act that's unitive and procreative and natural and like the way it was designed by God to be, designed by our bodies to be, and doesn't implant something foreign or harmful into your body, mm-hmm. but allows your body to do what it's naturally created to do, to do. Yeah. instead of changing your body use your body for what was created to because yeah. that is the beauty of our creation um so if you were if you're interested in finding out more information or you're wanting to find your natural family planning practitioner um i know that our diocese online if you just type in natural family planning will pop up with a resource of how to find a practitioner brochures like what parishes hold um classes mm-hmm. and intro classes so that you can find a practitioner um, so whatever diocese you're in, look that up. Um, also, they do different models, but we practice the Creighton model. Yeah. Um, so the Creighton model uses like um, like mucus. cervical mucus observations um, and a lot of like communication um, to determine um, signs of fertility. The Billings model, I think, uses temperature, temperature. body temperature. I um, think alongside mucus. I think it weighs more on the on temperature the, and it side. doesn't get as in-depth into the mucus observations as a Creighton model does if it uses it, yeah. I think. But they're both good methods. We know more about the Creighton one and we would highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, but any method is great. You know, I think the Creighton one has the most scientific testing. Don't use testing. an app to track your cycle because that's not accurate. Yes, yeah. There is an app... Um, that mimics the chart. I can't remember what it's called. Yes, that but, one's fine. Um, you know, but one, you should learn how the chart works and then find an app that can do everything the chart does. Yeah. Um, we'll try and post a link in the show notes. I think it's the link I sent you, Jenna. There's a free chart that you can download on there and uh-huh. it has all the instructions. There's online courses you can take too um, this if it's can, something yeah. that you, you want to do. You it know? can get really confusing. So try. don't be overwhelmed by the amount of information. Um but really, really seek out somebody, a practitioner that knows what's going on because you can be start charting and then get super confused and not know yeah. how to do it or do it incorrectly and then be like, well, what the heck? They told me. Yeah. And so they yeah. have a certain amount of times they want to meet with you. Yeah. And you might be like, oh, I've got it down, so I don't need to meet with them anymore. And then something happens, and if you're not on top of it, you might not you know, be thinking it's a fertile time or an infertile time and you might get pregnant when you weren't mm-hmm. planning to. And so making sure you're following through and, you know, using that knowledge that they have. Some of them will do it over like Google Hangouts or Skype. Like you can do this anywhere in the world, even if you don't have someone locally near you. So we just want to encourage you, like, especially if you're a young woman, if you're on birth control or being pressured to be on birth control, um, to think about this alternative and sign up, find a practitioner, learn about it, uh, and see if it's something that you feel like is a better alternative for you. Um, And don't try and, and see the danger of artificial birth control, not just for your body, but how it affects our view of sex and relationships mm-hmm. and that you deserve to be in a relationship, in a marriage where sex is something that is unifying, that it's intimate, that it's something that's ordered toward children, toward building a family and not just pleasure seeking mm-hmm. and not just using you and not sterilizing your body because of a career opportunity or because you just want to have sex with no consequences because there's always consequences health consequences emotional consequences consequences, psychological consequences for all of that and you know from experience like you know i'm not gonna speak for jenna but like for me i came from a lifestyle and an upbringing that i made a lot of mistakes in this area and like i know the detrimental effects of doing the opposite you know and so like Speaking from experience, we're not people who just, we only knew this and it's like, okay, we just do this and we have no idea what else is out there. Like to just be aware that we, we, we know the alternatives that are being presented and there's, there's harmful effects and consequences that you're not hearing about. And so just explore that. Yeah. I mean, they say that there's so much, there's freedom in having as much sex as you want and using birth control, but the true freedom is knowing having knowledge and knowing your body and knowing mm-hmm. how it works. Um, and ladies, your body is crazy beautiful and the things that it does is nuts. And it's crazy and it's so incredibly cool how we have been designed and created. Um, so discover it, look into it. Matt, would you say that you, this experience of doing this podcast was very unsatisfying? Satisfying? <laughs> <laughs> very satisfied. <laughs> 
Very satisfied. If you practice NFP, <laughs> that joke is hilarious. Hilarious. Because you have to answer those questions. Like six times. All the time. Would you say that you are very unsatisfied? Unsatisfied. Satisfied. Very satisfied with this experience? Would you say you would be very welcome to a pregnancy? Are you unsatisfied? <laughs> are you very... I'm very satisfied. Okay, good. Um, so, we have a saint for this episode. A little bit about him. Because he just got canonized as a what? saint. Uh, Pope St. Paul VI. Um, and the reason we want to talk about him is because he wrote an encyclical called Humana Vitae, which is called On Human Life, that is basically the church's um, view of marriage um, and and basically a uh, condemnation of artificial birth control. And it has a lot of like kind of prophetic predictions of what will happen as a result of birth control. Um, and shortly after this, like things like abortion being legalized and stuff all happened and it was all kind of predicted in this encyclical. And you'll read this and you'll be like, this is something that probably was written yesterday. Um, but Pope St. Paul VI, he was born in a village um, in Italy, um, kind of in the, the um, smack dab center northern region of Italy in 1897. He came from a very well-off family. He had two brothers who became a doctor and a lawyer. So naturally he became a priest. Um, the other was the other respected, yeah, the you know. Um, so, but he entered seminary at 19 and was ordained at 23, and then he got a doctorate in canon law. But he was never appointed a parish priest, which is really interesting to me. He was always involved in church governance, and oh. so he basically was the Pope's chief of staff for 15 years. So, with like Pope Pius XII and then Pope John the 23rd, and that was the time that the church went through the Second Vatican Council. So he was like in the upper tiers of the church while all this crazy change was going on and he knew a lot of the the leaders very well um during the war years um pope pius the 12th in world war ii got a lot of correspondence um from refugees from people looking for comfort and he handled a lot of those um he was even threatened several times by the dictator benito mussolini and the vatican kind of protected him because um, he was he was really outspoken about advocating against um, the immoral things that were happening around Europe, um, as mo as the rest of the people in the church were as well. Um, and he eventually became the Archbishop of Milan, and then he would deliver sermons all over. And he, he didn't like doing it just in churches, but he would go to hotels, he'd go to army barracks, he'd go to schools, he'd go wherever people gathered, and he'd preach, which was really cool. Um, and before he was even a cardinal, some people were trying to vote to get him elected pope when there was a conclave. Um, but eventually he became a cardinal... And he um, was elected pope in the middle of the Second Vatican Council. Pope John XXIII, who's now a saint as well, he was kind of expected to be a filler pope. They couldn't really agree on who was going to be pope. And so they were like, all right, let's elect John XXIII. Um, and he's older. You know, he's probably not going to be pope for super long. And then we can figure out who we really want. And then Pope John XXIII was like, hey, y'all, let's have an ecumenical council. Like, we haven't had one in, like, almost 100 years. And so throws open, like, the doors of the church and then dies in the middle of this council. And then Pope Paul VI takes over and finishes it. Um, and um, he was very close to the previous two popes, so he had kind of intimate knowledge of where the church was going and, and was able to help close that. Um, he's the first pope to visit six continents, um, and he traveled a ton. He survived a, a attempted stabbing in the Philippines. Um, and, yeah, he was a pretty um, controversial and, you know... Um, well-known figure. Uh, he wrote seven encyclicals, and his um, seventh and final one was Humana Vitae, which is his most famous one. And that was published in July of 1968. Um, I encourage you to read it. Uh, as I said, you'll, you'll see a lot of things that were really interesting in there. And it was the first time um, the, the committees to write encyclical had independent experts um, and like scientists and people in medicine come in and consult, like lay people, on an encyclical um, council, basically. Um, and so um, a lot of them were actually encouraging, and a lot of people in the church were encouraging him to approve of artificial birth control, and he ended up going the opposite way, and it yeah, caused a lot a big... of it caused a lot of um, discord in the church, and it's a reason why this is one of the teachings and one of the practices of the of Catholicism that's really not as faithfully held to by a lot of Catholics, even um, because of the difficulty that people have with this teaching. Um, and so um, he ended up having a lot of um, stuff thrown at him as because of that. He was a, accused of homosexuality with an actor um, for um, at one point in his career, um, actor who was in Roman Holiday with Audrey Hepburn, crazily enough. Um, 
But so he's dealing with a lot of different um, public uproar and a lot of different um, controversy. Um, whether it was well-founded or not, no one really knows. It's just a lot of rumors. And a lot of people think it was just associated with the fact that he was just a controversial person because mm-hmm. he t- talked about a lot of controversial topics. Um, but he ended up dying um, in 1978. So he was, gosh, like 81 years old um, in the Castle Gondofalo, which is um, like the castle near the Vatican. That's also like a house or a stronghold for the Pope. Um, <clears throat> and he um, had received communion. Uh, he had a heart attack three hours later and he died. Um, and both the miracles associated with him becoming po- or became becoming a saint have to do with the miraculous healing of unborn children, mainly when like children were like maybe 15 to 20 weeks along and the woman's water broke. And then, um, you know, which is like an emergency thing yeah. where they feel like they have to get the child out or and they're not viable then. And so people prayed for his intercession and they were, the children were preserved and developed into healthy babies miraculously, even without that protective fluid um, and that sustenance well, your, from it. Your protective fluid can come back. Yeah, so I don't know if it if it they observed it, it refilling. It just it oh. was like miraculous that they came to term without that. That's so crazy. That fluid. So um, his feast day is September twenty sixth, um, and he's a good person. If this is something you're struggling with, discerning, really have questions about, ask for his intercession. Read that encyclical Humana Vitae. Um, email us if you have questions. Um, you can get a hold of us at manafoodforthought.com. Guys, I really want to hear from you. Yeah, we love and hearing feedback. I know feedback. there's a lot of you out there, and I really want to get to know you and be your best friend. Yeah, so if you want to get to know us a little bit, <laughs> you want to have um, a suggestion for a podcast episode, if you have questions for us, clarifications, please do never hesita- hesitate to reach out either via email, manafoodforthought at gmail.com, or on social media. Uh, we're mainly active on Instagram, um, at manafoodforthought. Um, and so you can find us there um, and you can become a supporter of our podcast for as little as a dollar a month and on Patreon and that's on our website. Also, if you're listening to our podcast today, um, take a screenshot of it and put it on your story and tag us because I want to know if you're listening yeah, and if you're enjoying. That would be really cool. We would love Throw that. Throw it up on your story. Yeah. Rate and review this podcast if you haven't. That helps other people find it. And until next time, we will see you in the Eucharist. Bye. Bye.